0: This is Talk Freight. Talk Freight. And this is Craig Bliss. What's up everybody? It is Craig. Today is Monday. So of course, that means it's time for another Make More Money Mondays sponsored by truckstop.com. And now a couple hours ago, I suppose it's been like three or four hours, I made a quick video on the group, Freight Brokers and Truck Drivers, and said that I will be back to talk about that trending post in our group. Uh, that's kind of been going haywire uh, the last few days there. I see you, Steven. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. I want to make sure. Can everybody hear me? Last week, I did the uh, Make More Money Monday video with this microphone off. You see this little microphone on this little stick guy here? It was off on accident. I had mute it muted, so it was picking up You know my laptop that is uh, down there, rather. So I, I hope it's working now. I'm going to kind of play it up. On my screen here today Uh, just give me one second here yeah but I made sure I know a lot of y'all can't so I definitely apologize Uh, but I made sure I didn't drink too much um, at that um, that dinner I just went to and I came back to make sure I can do this video I can see me I can hear me so we are all good to go here we're gonna go ahead and get started anyway like I said a few hours ago there's a post uh, in the group, freight brokers and truck drivers. I was posted by a member. I keep wanting to call him Kevin O'Leary. I think it's because I watched too much damn Shark Tank. Uh, but it's not. It's actually Michael O'Leary, I believe it is. I'm looking it up now. I apologize if not. Yes, Michael O'Leary. I keep wanting to call him that Shark Tank guy. You know what I'm talking about, uh, Kevin? But anyways, Michael, um, he posted a good topic in the group, you know, freight brokers, truck drivers, that basically says... What bearing um, does a broker pay have to do with what the trucker gets? Okay. He said it a little bit differently, but that's basically what he meant. He basically said, why does it matter what the broker gets paid? Uh, why does drivers worry about that so much? And what's interesting is, although that member who posted it has been a member of the group for some time now, uh, I just realized today he's a fleet owner. So it's very interesting a fleet owner Posted that, and now I'm going to say up front, I'm not sure if he has any interest on the logistics side, whether it's uh, for an agent capacity or in a brokerage. I'm just saying he himself posted he's a fleet owner, and so that's what I'm going to go off of. That's all I can go off of. But anyways, he posted that in the group, and if you guys seen it just like three hours ago when I popped up here for a few minutes? Um, and I'm going to pull up on the screen. That's what I'm doing now, so bear with me. Uh, I had like 630 comments and some odd you know, I left for a very short time, came back, and it definitely has um, much more than that. I'm going to go ahead and pop that off. That is not needed. Okay. I'm going to kind of zoom in that screen here. We're going to pop it up. I know it's kind of small on your, on your side, especially if you're you know, on a phone. Uh, that's the best I can do. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Look at this. I crack up every time I see this. I'm zooming out here. Every time I see this, uh, if you guys watch that Tiger King show on Netflix, that's a uh, mouth here, or whatever you want to call it, but I agree with it. We need those three dollar a mile load back. Obviously, that's what they're indicating by the three teeth. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about this bad boy right here. Boom. What bearing? And now I get it. The I had to read it like 15 times to understand it um, because you know there's some either words missing. Uh, too many other words. I couldn't even wrap my head around it, but I, I'm fairly confident you guys can understand um, What it means there are at least six hundred fifty six people did, you know with the comments But anyways read this right here, you know, basically what bearing does a broker pay have anything to do with what the driver Demands for their services and now The reason why I want to talk about it is this first off He's a fleet owner. That's great. Okay, because um, if a broker said that, well, a broker best have uh, shut up his Facebook account and possibly moved across country because that would have been, um, you know, kind of a iffy question there in a primarily trucking group. Nonetheless, anyways, I want to talk about these comments because there's a lot of them that are completely off the wall. I know y'all are not surprised about that, um, but a lot of them are great. A lot of them from truckers. Again, I'm not clicking through every one of them to see if they're a truck driver or a broker. Um, but it is interesting when I read a post and it happens to be a truck driver, excuse me, when I read a comment and it happens to be a truck driver. And now earlier I said, I'm going to talk about what I think about this post, because oftentimes I don't really talk about how I feel, um, you know, one way or the other, because I am completely neutral in this industry. I basically pride myself on that. I have no interest in a logistics company. I also have no interest in a trucking carrier or an owner-operator situation of any kind. So when I say things, it's not because I like one side or the other. Are you guys following me? Cool, all right. So here's where we're at. The majority of these comments here are from truck drivers, as you can imagine. Um, And now real quick, I'm gonna add here. Over the weekend, I think this was posted on um, whatever the 23rd may be, a few days ago, okay? I saw it, I don't know, sometime after it have already posted because I already had a hundred and some odd comments by the time it had in it. Now I got it, or I was alerted to this post because was 20,000 members, I don't see everything, by a friend of mine who is a, uh, let's call him a shipper decision maker or a uh, shipping decision maker at a shipper, okay? He screenshotted it, it as like, hey, don't delete this post. I'm gaining a lot of valuable insight out of it. Of course, he said a little bit, you know, different verbiage, you know, but the point of that is people watch the group. I've said that many times. I've been saying that since the group had less than 5,000 members at that time. I believe I was working on a shipper, but nonetheless, the people, you know, people in this industry, they definitely, definitely watch this group. That's why I kept this post up because I think, you know, um, I don't want to say, owe it because that sounds like I owe someone something and I definitely don't, but I think, um, I don't, I don't know what the word is. I think drivers, you know, needed the opportunity for this post to stay up. Half of the comments I definitely understand may be twisted or, you know, not the best comments. However, I think their comments should be acknowledged, whether good or bad, because they are in this industry. And I say that because I am a fan of the TIA. However, I'm not a fan of that little flyer they sent out. Um to all the little broker people. And I'm gonna turn my camera here. I See, that's right here, I can't zoom in, boom. That little piece of paper on the wall, that costs like 1500 bucks. I'm not even sure how much it costs, but I had that for about five years and some change, give or take. And that basically just means I'm a certified transportation broker. And now I say this for the people on the podcast, of course you can't see my air quotes, but I use an in air quotes because that paper from the TIA, Definitely does not make me a a broker. Okay, I want to say that first. Now, a lot of people say, "Well, Craig, does a TIA, you know, CTB—that's what it's called. CTB—does that help you make more money, or does that help you be a better broker, or help you get shippers?" Um, and a lot of people say, "Like, what value does it have? It's like a diploma." And the short answer is not much. Okay, basically, with that paper on the wall is just basically. Um, helps me get a job at a broker, if you will. It's when you go into a meeting with the shipper and you say, and a broker brokerage can say, my whole team are CTBs, or certified transportation brokers. That just makes the shipper think that the people they are working with are smarter. All that thing was, was a test. It was like four months long studying, you took a test. Anyways, enough of that. I just want to say that I am a fan of the TIA. However, I'm not a fan of what they said about um, what they send brokers, but I'm going to get to that here in just a minute. So back to this right here, here's the problem that I have with this. Okay. You have guys heard me talk about in numerous videos over the last, let's just say since this COVID-19 crap started this coronavirus shenanigans, I'm a big fan of transparency. Okay. And I know a lot of people are going to eat me out alive. I mean, right now I can't even check my messages. Cause I have a lot of messages from people trying to fact check me. Okay. Uh, But I'm a fan of transparency. I'm going to say that right now. Okay. Um, I can even bring it to a little bit of part of this. I'm a huge believer in blockchain technology. And part of blockchain is about transparency. I know that's going to be above everybody's, uh, some people's heads. And that's okay. I'm not comparing that to trucking. um, But that just shows I believe in transparency inside of logistics and outside of logistics. So I'm a firm believer that... Transparency is all right. However, when we get into this trucking shenanigans, where drivers demanding transparency, I'm not exactly sure if they know what this transparency can mean to them or what it can do. Again, I am completely neutral for the people in the back. I am neither broker nor driver. I have no CDL, Um, so I have no you know skin in the game in regards of you know having a truck or owning a brokerage authority. But my concern is with this. Okay. In the real estate market, I'm not a realtor, just going to say that out there, I'm not a listing agent or whatever I have to say to not get sued. But in the real estate world, okay, you have your brokers and you have your agents, okay, everybody knows what everybody's getting paid. It's kind of good and bad. Before Before I did this, I had a friend, I called a friend in Chicago who's a broker. He's a real estate broker with agents under him. And I asked him. How are the rates now in your market? Does other brokers know where you guys are getting paid? Does other agents know where you guys are getting paid? And he said, well, yeah, absolutely. The only thing they're battling against now are brokers or the agents lowering their commission rates. He was saying it's standard about 6% in the market he's in. It's like downtown Chicago or such. Okay. Right now they're doing like 5.5%. Basically dropping a bucket that just shows that there's a little bit of battling against each other in the real estate market. If you will back to the trucking side though, all drivers are demanding transparency and I feel they do not know what that transparency will entail. Okay. Here's what I think back in, before I was born, probably, I don't know when that deregulation happened, but I know it was in the eighties. I was born in 1990. So probably 10 years or less than I was born. The deregulation happened. Therefore, the market flooded with brokers because it became a free market. Everybody started opening up their own business. To me, it was great. That's the American dream. I've always grew up knowing that the American dream is owning, you know, being the man, if you will, or being the woman, Um, of course, whether it's a truck driver or brokerage. And now when it comes to transparency, it kind of brings me back to the days or my knowledge of when trucking was regulated basically people could figure out what everybody was paying the only people that matter in that equation are basically the shippers and the truckers but mainly the truckers okay and in that case they were the megas there weren't all these owner operators and small independent fleet owners that we see now that flood the facebook groups right now if you're in a facebook group you're most likely you know primarily working off the spot market both truckers and brokers And that's not a bad thing. It's definitely not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It just sucks, you know, when the markets are low, like we're seeing now. But anyways, if the rates were transparent, I am afraid that the megas will use that opportunity to absolutely dominate this industry and kick all the little guys out, including myself, if I had a brokerage authority, as well as all the independent owner operators. I'm not saying the fleets. The owner operators, okay, and the reason being, we or I should say, the little guy cannot compete against the bigger guys basically, apples of apples, meaning rate per rate. Okay, that kind of goes back. I'm not even going to get into it, but that kind of goes back to that whole quantum or whatever crap. I don't know too much about it, so I'm not going to talk about it, but that kind of goes back to that quantum where the prices are set in stone, then everybody referenced, excuse me, the shippers. Try to reference their prices off of that model that's what i'm meaning here okay if rates are transparent you cannot expect rates to ever hit like they did back in 2017 or 2018. it literally will not happen the reason 2017 and you guys don't need me to tell you that but the reason 2017 2018 was so good because the market was great it was in the truckers favor shippers were crying brokers were bawling they were losing money but truck drivers, they were able to maintain their equipment, maybe add a few trucks here or there, maybe hire more drivers, take on more lanes, maybe hire sales force to get direct shippers. They did a lot of things, not all of them. Some did the complete opposite and didn't, you know, use that, um, you know, the increase in money or revenue in 2017, 2018 to better their business. But that's another story. So if rates are transparent, we would not have the supply in the market that we see now because simply it will be easy for a broker um, to book freight. And now granted, I do understand. We're going to about to go through the comments here. A lot of people say, well, the broker be put out of the business or some brokers and you're exactly right. But is that a bad thing? I don't think so. I mean, as a lot of y'all know, you know, a couple of years ago, my main job, my nine to five would put food on my table was strictly brokerage startups. I was busy and guess why? Because everybody and their brother or sister wants to open up a brokerage. It's ridiculous. It does no good in this industry. And now I'm not saying if you're experienced in this industry, you should not use your experience to help others and build a good business by taking your own experience and you know becoming the man yourself. I'm just saying a lot of people don't do it that way. They just open up a brokerage all willy-nilly and just, you know, think they can get rich overnight by setting prices, whatever they think is fair, which is, you know, below market. But I think we could do away with some brokerage. We can also probably do away with some um, trucking companies, maybe some owner operators, maybe some small fleets. I think right now the market is just oversaturated on both sides and now it's no big deal, but I'm not too much into Instagram. I use that, uh, you know, Instagram for my other business interests, whatever, but on Instagram, you can type in some hashtags like trucking or trucking entrepreneur or, you know, stuff like that freight broker freight dispatcher is a big one. That's an annoying one. And you see all these people promising everybody in the world, how you can get rich by entering trucking or becoming a broker. It is not true, but people still believe it. Not in my group on that other group. That's a long ass name. There's a, a lady in there. I'm not going to call her a girl, but a lady look young as hell probably early, early twenties. I imagine, younger than my little sister talking about how she spent 12 grand on a truck because she heard she can make $10,000 hauling load from Walmart. I was like, shit, I'm buying (laughs) four. Where, where do I sign up? It, it blows my mind, people. The whole point of that is that's why this market could afford to get rid of some of these entities that are starting up all willy nilly without a solid business plan or absolutely no logistics or trucking experience. That's the harm in this industry. Okay. And now I, I do see comments. I apologize. I'm not even staring at it. Um, Hey, how's it going, Stephen? Sonny. Um, <laughs> thanks for your comments, Sonny. I'll be sure to acknowledge that in the group. When I go in there, uh, Jeremy, I appreciate it, Jeremy. Thanks for being an ally. Hey, look, I try to be an ally for everybody, no matter how neutral I am. Yeah, people like Sonny Boy over there. <laughs> I don't even want to embarrass him by clicking on his profile and showing how he looks like. But uh, that's Sonny. He's probably the problem in this industry. But uh um, anyways, I'm not going to entertain him. I just simply block him out of all the groups. But um, whoops, embarrass- let me turn that off. And so going back to that, I think we can get rid of a lot of brokers and some truckers. I'm not saying I don't, you know, not saying all truckers are not valuable, but you truckers can definitely agree with me. And there's less capacity in the market. Well, we're gonna get right back to where we were. Not so much 2017, 2018, but I believe we can get right back to where we were when the rates and the markets were a lot more stable than what they are now. I can remember a time I definitely wasn't driving, but I was brokering. I remember a time when the market was pretty stable. I don't think I have ever seen it stable more than a year, but I remember times when it was stable. Easy book freight, easy make, you know, 15% margin on loads, easy find customers, excuse me, um, easy build relationship with truckers because, you know, they they knew that brokers giving give them fair rates. Therefore, they're more prone um, or more open to build a relationship for you, which I constantly talk about all the time. Building relationship with your partners actually helps you not only in the short term, but definitely in the long term. But basically that's what it is. So I'm gonna go through here. I know I went on that long tangent and kind of read some of these. And now here's my comment right now when I said Michael O'Leary was a fleet owner. I'm not making that up. He put it right here. I'm a fleet owner asking a serious question. Again, I'm not sure if he has any interest in the logistics or side at all, but that's what he's saying. Out of these, out of all these comments, 657, of course, we're not gonna talk about them here about them all here, a lot of them were surprisingly from drivers saying, I don't care about what the brokers get paid. And that's basically where I'm at. And I'm going to go back a little bit. About more than seven years ago, I drove sprinters. When I drove sprinters, as it turned out, I had to find my own damn lows. That's how it worked. I used Selectus at the time. If you guys were familiar with Selectus about seven years ago, it was pretty cool. It was a gold mine up until... You know, the oversaturation of sprinters just ruined that market. But during that time, I knew for a fact, shippers, you know, excuse me, freight forwarders rather, because that's the majority of the vendors I work with, the people I work with. Freight forwarders are getting close to $2 a mile on this expedited freight going out of Chicago ORD, okay? I was gladly taking it for about $1.50. At the time, Sprinters, that's like just a glorified cargo van if you don't know. That's amazing. fifty for a sprinter that takes you know, unleaded gas, sign me up. You don't get that anymore though. <laughs> but back in that day, I knew for a fact what freight forwarders were paying because oftentimes it said it right there on the bill. But guess what? I didn't care because I was getting good, good money or at least in my eyes at the time, decent money for what I was doing granted sprinter loads it's like max 600 miles i think the furthest i went well i mean it is a furthest i went was central illinois to Atlanta twice a week that's what i did for a little bit i think that's 700 miles and change anyways at the time like i was saying i knew the freight is making a lot more money or making more money than maybe what i felt comfortable with however since i was making good money i was definitely okay with it and now at the time also when i was working with one particular freight forwarder out of a small airport he actually him and i would text himself and before i would get a load he would tell me where i need to be at for him to to win a shipment therefore if a shipment was let's say you know i i'm gonna you know i had two dollars a mile for a sprint at the time that's what he would expect to get so on a thousand miles you know he can expect to get whatever from that and i can expect to get whatever well oftentimes if i knew what he was getting i may say 1800 And he would simply tell me it's not worth it. He would text me and say, it's not worth it for me to handle this shipment for two or three. Can we talk about it? And certainly we could, I'm not saying I did that all the time, but certainly we definitely could. Okay. That was a little bit of transparency at the time. And now I want to also add the key word there is I no longer have sprinters. Okay. And the key word there is give me one second. Chris said he's also a broker as well. I'm not a broker. Are you talking about me, Chris? You know better. <laughs> Anyways, the key word there is I used to have sprinters. The other key word there is sprinter rates used to be $1.65, okay? It changed because everybody knew what everybody was getting paid. So guess what Tom, Dick, and Joe did? They went to the closest buy here, pay here lot in Chicago, bought all the damn things on the lot, went up to the freight porter, said, buddy, I can do this shit for $1.25. Guess what happened? I had to sell my sprinters <laughs> that's what happened do you see what I'm saying people it was great for years a couple years it was great you know that arrangement that I had was a freight porter in Chicago my sprinters were awesome I mean you can hold 3,000 pounds you could expedite three four pallets you know very quick shippers freight porters they were willing to pay for it until they realized other carriers were willing to do it cheaper and they were only willing to do it cheaper when they realized why is Craig getting $1.50? I could do that for much cheaper. And I get it. A lot of people can do it for much cheaper. And I'm reading the comment here. Chris says, earlier he said he's a broker as well. Then he says, Noah Leary. Okay. I wasn't sure. That's why I put that little disclaimer there. Uh, but nonetheless, it doesn't matter if he's a freight agent, broker, whatever. He also has fleets. Kind of interested um, in his arrangement with the fleets because as you guys all know, when I just mentioned that the majority of my nine to five would put bread and butter, what bought me that car outside was I used to start up brokerages. I loved it. I loved doing it. And now, all those brokerages I should add, or a lot of them, were carrier or in house brokerages for carriers. Those are the best ones. Those usually survive. The ones without carriers, they never really did. Anyways, Stephen Hernandez said, and his comments cut off, so I'm going to read it. it says, I personally do not care what brokers make. If you don't like what it pays, simply don't take it some people need to put in the work and work on getting their own customers and stop relying on the spot market i honestly have not suffered on rates since this pandemic has started simply because i have brokers i work with on all my trucks i made relationships with that's outstanding that is con you know i'm constantly talking about that because i when i talk about shit i'm not just pulling it out of a hat I definitely didn't go to school or college to learn this. I only have working experience, absolutely no college experience from this. So I can just give you what I think. And now a lot of my advice comes from when I was working at a shipper or working at a broker. And one thing I would tell people is if I have a load or if I need a, excuse me, if I need a favor, I am more likely to ask a friend and receive that favor than if I asked a stranger. Okay. Same rules applies in businesses, not just trucking. Think about all the trades, electricians, plumbers, you know, carpentry, whatever. People are most likely to hire their friend or trust their friend or pay their friend just a little bit more than what they would just random Joe blow out on the street corner. That's how it works. Same thing in trucking and brokering and logistics industry as a whole. Granted, the majority of people, I'd probably say 90% of truckers have never met their broker partner and vice versa. However, that does not mean you still cannot build a relationship with the people you work with every day. That is key here. Even when you're working off, you know, truckstop.com or other low boards, those brokers are in every once in a while, those shippers that you're working with, that's your end to start building a relationship off of the low board. Get their contact information on that truckstop. Start building a relationship off truck truckstop So you could be like Steven and not worry about this or not be, you know, shut down by not having freight because you have zero relation with brokers and you're just relying on these strangers on the low boards. Those strangers on low boards, they don't care about your truck payment. (laughs) They don't care about your insurance. So you might as well just stop complaining about it. They don't care, okay? But your friend may. So start telling your broker friend your issues was like, look buddy, you know, I'm, I'm getting a dollar, you know, you're paying me $1.65 right now, still low as hell. Um, but I really need to be at $1.75, $1.80. Maybe next year we can start bumping up. Help me help you help me, basically. That's how you need to be, okay? Uh, Matt Kegley says, no way, business doesn't really go like that. <laughs> oh, Matt, what's going on with you? It's been a while. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I gotta squirrel a moment there. But yeah, I know Matt. I don't know if he posts them anymore, but I believe you just put out videos about sales. Am I am I right, Matt? Or am I thinking of someone else here? But, anyways. Um Okay. Sonny, he came back. I think he's trying to get redemption here, and that's good. Okay. I haven't read it yet. So I, I could be putting my foot in my mouth, but you know, I think you can judge a man by the way they respond after they feel threatened. Okay. So anyway, I'm not saying he felt that I'm just saying, he knew he came at me sideways and now he wants to try to redeem himself. Anyways, he put all this talk about transparency, transparency. What is transparency really going to do? Nothing. If you know a broker has X amount of money in the load and you're only getting a certain amount, what does it matter if you ask for the amount that you, that you need and don't get it? Okay. You guys have to read that yourself. I'm sorry. It's just a little bit cut off. And uh, there's not periods in there, I can't you know, emphasize it here. Uh, the only way the market is going to change if you ask for the correct price and you stick to it and stop hauling cheap freight. And this investigation is not going to come to anything because a broker is not doing anything illegal. You agree to the price regardless of what they have in the load. So when it boils down to it every day, everybody has to stick to a fair price and just stop taking what they give you. Ask for what you need and stick to it. What you ask for, stop being afraid. Somebody's going to come and undercut you because that's the market people. That undercut each other are the ones that are driving the market down. Bravo, Sonny. You and I, we can go back on a playing field here. Because I agree with you a lot of that. And now I think, you know, what you said could be delivered a little aggressively to some. But I definitely understand what you're saying there. Uh, And that's what I was saying in the beginning. The transparency is not going to do much. And that's what I was saying earlier. When I knew that my, you know, my freight porter, um, when I knew what he was getting, I didn't care. You know, I was eh, make a dollar fifty mile. You know, seven hundred forty five miles down to Atlanta. It's all right. You know, I drove empty back for the majority of times, unless I hopped over. You know, got something else in Atlanta. But normally, I drove back empty because that's what I wanted, and I made enough money. So I said, "It's my operation. That's what I'm gonna do." However, that transparency crap screwed me. When everybody else bought a Sprinter and they, you know, they took over the account. I was trying to find the text message because my phone, it's an iPhone, don't delete messages from that freight porter. Because I remember when I realized I had to sell that Sprinter, I remember he told me, he was just like, it's just business, nothing personal. What are you doing this weekend? And I couldn't even respond because what I was doing that weekend was figuring out what I'm going to do to make some more money. But anyways, I'm with you, Sonny. And when you say stop calling cheap freight that's what it is and now my good friend here chris brown i believe and i could be wrong but i believe he has been off the road for some time now he has a you know it's like most american operations here where it's husband and wife team you know 50 50 one you know finds a load whatever one hauls a load whatever um, and they make it work and now i believe last time i spoke to chris he was sitting out because he refused to haul freight that did not make him profitable That is what Sonny was saying. That is what I'm saying. And that's what you need to understand. All this crap about, you know, brokers need to pay, you know, enough to pay your living wages is never going to happen. Okay. You sitting out or you're never going to get the attention that you need is never going to happen. You sitting out will definitely get that attention. And now I also have to agree with that a little bit saying the investigation is not going to do much. Well, okay. So... I think a lot of people agree with me, um, that, uh, I can't even think of a name. Rick Santiago. I have nothing bad to say, so don't go running off to him. Okay. Um, network San Diego. One thing that I give him a lot of credit for is because he managed to round up a lot of truck drivers, fleet owners, a lot of people interested in the trucking community to end up in Washington, DC. Okay. A lot of people can't even do that, but he did it. Okay. And out of that, you know, President Trump says something about investigation or what have you, and I'm with Sonny here where it says the uh, investigation won't yield anything. That's exactly right. And I think a lot of us know that, including truck drivers. However, it definitely brought attention to this industry because you have people like TIA over there sending letters to their broker saying, warning you know, your, your carriers, your truck drivers are about to flood your emails asking you to give tra- rate transparency and then he also put in bold, that is the right, but you can do this. It's all BS. Anyways, uh, Matt Kegley says, yeah, you were correct. Okay. So Matt has uh, been a while since him and I have connected, but Matt, uh, he does training videos. I shouldn't even call them training videos. He does um, a lot of great videos about uh, sales and different things in the industry. Uh, it's all great stuff. And like I say, a lot of people do a lot of similar things. However, a lot of people have different perspectives, different ideas, different tips and tricks. My tips and tricks definitely don't work for everybody. However, they work for me and they have worked for some who I have consulted or trained you know, over the years or whatever. And Chris Brown, he just said he's been down since 316. We're talking about a couple months here, so approaching three months. Those are the situations I feel for. Because at some point, you have to start wondering, you know, what the hell is going on? It was kind of like in that, I definitely, I understand my situation was a lot less. We're talking about a $45,000 sprinter compared to not even guess what a truck is. Anyways, those situations when truckers are sitting out, those are pretty bad situations, okay? But I am still a firm believer that truckers should sit out to start leveling off the market. And now this le- this sitting out could be truckers who realize this industry for them, maybe they just go ahead and close up that could be sitting out or maybe it's the truckers realizing that they're not getting the rates to remain profitable. How about that? Okay. Cause we're not making no money. What's the point of hauling cheap freight? You're just spending money. Just sit out at that point. You know what I'm saying? Again, everybody's situation is different. So you can't speak on it. I know a guy with a paid off truck, probably in a lot different situation than a guy who has a truck note payment every week or a guy who's leasing. I didn't even want to think about that. How does that work? Does anybody know? Anybody who's leasing a truck, how does it work during this um, this pandemic crap? Like if you're not hauling essential goods, however they define that, how does it work for leasing? Because I would imagine you start to pay your your note on that. I guess it would maybe depend if it's um like they dispatch for you or you do dispatch i'm not sure kind of wondering about that uh chris he, he just adds i've never had this much time off damn <laughs> that's like a retirement time off I, and i say that with all respect chris of course but um two months that's a long time i would be going stir crazy one thing people could do <laughs> i wouldn't be hating for this but some truck drivers you guys can be taking this time to learn the brokerage indus- industry I know there's a uh, group member in here. His name is Adam. I can't recall his last name off the top of my head. But as as is my understanding, that he was a truck driver until very recently, until he jumped over into the uh, broker side. And now it's you know I like reading his post on his personal Facebook page because he mentions his challenges he faced um, on the on the broker side. Again, not not condoning the brokers or whatever, but just saying, you're right, Stephen. Some people just can't sit out. They need to go out there. And get, and get what they can. I understand, and I definitely understand that too. Because it's kind of like this. Even if you're not making, uh, just, let me go back. And trucking, the biggest issue in trucking—that's gonna be a whole other video—is the fact that truckers don't get paid for 30 days, sometimes less, sometimes more, after they deliver the damn thing. Okay. And so, in trucking, I definitely understand where some truck drivers, especially when they're the routine where they're receiving, you know, pretty large. Uh, deposits whether that be weekly or almost every other day at this point they've been if they get paid every 30 days some of them are saying are saying i still have to run because i still need to receive a check this friday no matter if i'm profitable or not because i need to deposit money and that's when it goes back to cash is king okay you have to have cash because even if it's not your cash like when you're in a business and you're receiving cash Even if it's not your cash, a.k.a. all-profit cash, you could still use that cash or move money around to keep you operational. problem with trucking is we're getting to that point where it hasn't been profitable in the last 60 damn days. So the last 60-day checks that all these truckers have been receiving are pennies in the barrel, really. Chris said he even renewed his tag this month for $1,700, $1,725. Your stimulus check from Trump wasn't even that much. I was <laughs> about to say Obama. What the hell? <laughs> Anyways. Uh Sonny says, got fifteen new 2021 T680 can we Still have to pay my lease on on them regardless of the work. Impressive fleet you got there, my friend. Um 15 new ones. That's um that's expensive there. You know, I can feel for that. And I definitely understand about those leases. And now, you know, I have um I finance my car through Ally Bank, one of my cards through Ally, and they blow up my email like every single week saying Ally Bank is here to help you, no payment for four months, just click here. I'm not clicking there because um, I'm in a position where I don't need to accept it and I hope me not accepting it will allow somebody else to take advantage of that. But anyways, I'm just saying in my personal car, I have the option of deferring my payments, um, but that's what I was afraid of, that truck drivers not have that same... Um, same advantage there. Matt said, we just deferred for three months on leases. Got it. Okay. So, okay. That's what my car payment was saying that I have the option too. So you're saying your truck, uh, your lease company, what have you, they're giving you the option to defer for three months as well. That's what I'm thinking. Um, he's saying, uh, Joe is saying it depends. It depends on the contract. Some had to pay regardless. Some may be able to add it on at the end of the loan. Got it. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. But that balloon payment, man. Oh, no, I doubt it'd be a balloon payment. You know, if you add it to the end. So 60 months, like 65 months. Man, it never ends. I'm telling you what. It's, um, I just read something. I actually heard something. I read a lot. That's why I think I always say I read. Uh, it was on one of my podcasts I listened to. Not even trucking related, but I was talking about how the economy is pretty damaged. And, you know, I, I don't get into politics too much, but um, it's damaged. I'm all for keeping, you know, mass the vast majority of the population safe but i'm also for the american economy and i don't you know the shutting down is definitely not affecting my business i'm lucky to also have a business outside of logistics that is not affected by the pandemic thank god uh but it would be a a dire situation um if it was affected. but on that podcast it was saying what some people don't realize is the economy just doesn't open up by the president saying okay Stay at home orders lifted, or the governor of your state saying stay at home, orders lifted. They were uh, kind of referring to the Ford Motor Company. The Ford Motor Company. Why am I calling by a politically correct name? Ford Company. Okay. They uh, they opened up. They got orders to open up their factory. They had to shut back down within two days because a whole bunch of people um, all of a sudden got that coronavirus in their factory. And so there's actually a a huge pamphlet, I'm like this thick, I guess, a pamphlet written by a university for factories. It's kind of like a step-by-step guide on how factories can reopen after coronavirus. And what that says is, when a factory has coronavirus, they must shut down, must scrub the place, clean it, make sure anybody affected is not near anybody else who could be affected, and then they can open back up. The thing is, or the problem with that is, each and every single time someone new gets affected, Well, guess what that factory gets shut down okay the problem with that is that does not end that's the issue with this damn virus okay it's uh some companies can handle it but when you're talking about ford that you know it's hauling a lot of automotive parts that a lot of you guys haul. a lot of brokers who are watching probably broker that freight when it affects the auto industry it affects everybody and that's clearly what we see now so when they said that the industry or the economy is a lot more affected than what we can even imagine i definitely believe it and when they mentioned that the ford motor company they had orders to reopen which they did they were full blast for two days until they roughly had to shut down for another week or so because somebody got infected affected everybody else and now they have to test everybody every single day and if one person has it the whole thing gets shut down Growing up, my dad used to say, one bad apple ruins a pie. I guess in this coronavirus crap, it's the same damn thing. So part of me just said, wear your mask, people. Get the economy, you know, open back up. Well, on the other hand, I say, does a mask even help? <laughs> and that's where I'm at there. Um, yeah, Steven said, oh man, Stephen. Steven said, when do you think, in your opinion, freight will go back up? That's a great question. And now I want to refer you back to the video I made in May. I specifically said in May, by the time produce happens, which is right now, the markets will be back up. Thank God I'm not a psychic. (laughs) Thank God I'm not, I don't work in stocks because I would have just lost my, you know what there, because uh, it hasn't gone back up. And now I can give you some information there, Stephen, to better answer your question. And now, as everybody knows, I use Sonar sonar is at Brightwave, whatever subscription i'm not sponsored nor endorsed by them i pay 175 a month to access a screen <laughs> and that screen happens to be sonar anyways one thing i'm looking at is sonar i would pop it up however my internet is lagging right now so i can't it won't load it uh, but one thing that i noticed today is volumes are increasing and in two weeks ago when i talked about volumes increasing the rates were not they were slightly but the rates were not However, Steven, what I noticed today, when I checked it around 12 central time, not only has volumes continued to increase, but we are seeing or showing signs of rate per mile increases in the majority of the major markets. You're talking about Atlanta, Chicago, you know, things like that. LA, of course. And now speaking of LA, there's definitely a spike in freight out of the LA ports right now. I know there's produce is happening already in Phoenix possibly florida i don't know because i don't check all those markets Um uh, steven just put i run california florida all my trucks um and california's through the roof right now i'm getting three dollars plus miles boom just said that that's what i saw i should have looked into it more i'm gonna i'm gonna write your name down i'm gonna start asking about that uh about that uh california freight when i have questions about it because that's the lane i look at and that's one of the lanes uh that truckstop.com has uploaded um, on the sonar or you can now access the truckstop.com rate analyst rate for mile whatever data on the freight sonar the LA market and that's why I saw today that the LA port had an increased level of tender rejection which we all know when there's an increase of tender rejection normally that means there's an increase of loads on the spot market which means it's becoming or beginning to become a carrier market and if you have a truck you definitely wanted to be a carrier market. That's how it works. Steven adds that it's all produce. I, you know, I stand corrected. I didn't think that produce started as much yet. I knew a little bit in, you know, Phoenix, I believe. Kelly, um, a little bit. Um, but I thought it was delayed. You know, I guess I was only uh, assuming it was delayed because of pandemic. But I guess vegetables don't have to stay indoors. <laughs> and, you know, the produce, sir. But, uh, you know, a little story here. Back in, like... Um, I can't tell you when, but I worked at a shipper, you know, during produce Oh, 2017. That's when it was when all the rates were just sky high. You're talking about $3 a mile. I remember having a meeting at the shipper, you know, course with all the rate analysts, they had weird names. You had rate analysts, data scientists, you know, all this, whatever. Um, then you had brokers and you had logistic coordinators, traffic analysts, all that. But I remember back in 2017, everybody meeting together saying, how do we combat this? How do we get away from paying 3 $4 a mile from regular general freight from Atlanta to Chicago? And the short answer was pay it. We figured out once it is. And the funny thing about that is that was not even a produce shipper, okay? I've definitely worked for food shippers, you know, such as Archer Daniels Midland, which is a large processing, um, you know, shipper, what have you. However, this particular shipper, wasn't even in food, and they're battling against this produce crap. That's the spot market, people. And guess what will happen to the spot market? We have transparency. Goodbye, three, four dollar mile freight. I'm not saying don't have transparency because y'all know I love transparency. I'm just saying I'm afraid that's gonna happen. And I'm not a fan of capping your money, if you know what I mean. Right now, we, you know, depending on the market, depending on the market conditions. We can make, I mean, I saw on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, some people are, you know, dollar mile afraid for a 53 foot dry van. However, the majority of the time, it could be north of $2 a mile. I almost rather have that influx than being told, you know, mega carrier A is holding all their stuff for $1.30 a mile, I can't pay more than that. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous. The comment, you know, uh, uh, the normal owner operator can't afford to turn on the damn truck or pay insurance for that low. Another thing I want to talk about, and I'll answer your question, Sonny. Another thing I want to talk about, at that same shipper, I've been yeah, I'll answer. I've been in the industry for about 10 years. I started in 2009. Um, I guess, I don't know, 11 years. I started as a brokerage. I was a track and tracer at a brokerage, a large 3PL in Chicago. After that, I went to a carrier. After that, I went back to a brokerage, went to a shipper, went to another shipper, and then um, here I am. Anyway, a uh, squirrel moment there. That's what happens with my brain sometimes. But... When I worked at that shipper, not the field grade one, but the other one, the company Pinsky. Okay. Everybody knows who they are. And there's also one named Ryder. I'm going to give you the one from Ryder. Uh, Ryder logistics, they basically have a brokerage, but they also have, uh, you know, their own trucks that you see on the road. Basically their primary business, is their head haul, and they don't basically care what they get on the deadhead. I hate using the word deadhead, but you guys know what I mean. When I had trucks down in Arkansas that needed to go back to the Chicagoland region, I knew for a fact I could get, you know, a, a rider truck for about a $1. dollar $1.30 a mile when the mark was closer to about $1.55. And the reason being is because that logistics coordinator who's in charge of finding those loads, he would tell me, you know, we, we got all our money on the head of all. We have to get our trucks back and your freight takes them right back to where we need to be, first come, first serve. That's what we need. We can take the thirty. Well, we, all, we also all know that company is huge. Okay. A lot of us, not me, I'm not a driver. A lot of us, a lot of truck drivers out there cannot afford that. They can take it once or twice. They cannot rely on it. The same guy that I'm talking about, it was like a twice a week ordeal. Okay. There'll be other larger uh, carriers who will also want that for a very similar price. Again, 20, 30, 40 cents below market. Um, but they will almost beg for it. Now imagine if there's more mega carriers like them. Okay. Imagine if those mega carriers, their deadhead was outbound Atlanta. Well, that, that would suck because a lot of us, you know, in our group, the majority of our members come from Houston and Atlanta. Okay. So that tells me if a whole bunch of mega mega carriers start ending up in Atlanta as they're and they need a outbound deadhead, well, that's gonna kill the Atlanta market. It's gonna kill any chance of ever hitting two, you know, $253 mile freight. And we have this transparency because all those mega sh- carriers, they will simply go to all those shippers and say, "We can do it for this. We can do it gladly for this. We understand you're paying dollar fifty right now to X, Y, and Z trucking. We can do it much less. We have a bigger operation. We've been in business for X amount of years. We have blah 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 blah. We can do it for much less. And guess what? The shipper guys is going to do." Not only is he going to give them a bonus under the table, he's going to ask them to basically give me all your trucks. And that's how it's going to happen. That's going to be bad. Again, I say I'm all for transparency, but I think that transparency needs need to be modified a little bit. You know, I'm not sure what could happen to help get a little bit of transparency while also maintaining the carriers, you know, the owner operators interest in this industry. Okay? Um uh, yeah sorry I had to scroll over there. but that's basically you know kind of how I think. Again, all for the transparency, not for everything else okay because guess what's gonna happen as I said the mega carriers they would dominate. One thing that I mentioned, uh, one thing I should mention and this whole thread right here um uh, I'm gonna try to find it here. I'm mean oh well here's a good one. you know a lot of people say this. Oh, I guess this is from Michael Leary as well, the original poster. He puts, what if they, the broker, have a 1,000 a load? Okay, well, I, I guess I read that wrong. Here's my question. A lot of people in these comments, or excuse me, in this poster, end, they're saying a broker should be capped at the profit or the profit margin he's able to make. But let me ask you this. What if that broker accepted a cheap load, if you will? What if they accepted the freight and was awarded for it, and now they're trying to sell out of you? Would you want that broker to have a cap commission? Would you want them to have a minimum rate? Think about it. If the load was a cap commission and let's say it was thousand dollars and it's cheap to the broker and he passed on to you. Well, that's already cheap. Imagine he puts a minimum rate of 10% on there. He's basically like a dispatch agent at that point. He's taking more money, not only more money, but the profit. It goes from a spread to basically taking away from the driver's profit exactly like a dispatch agent. I can't find it because there's 650 comments in this thing. One guy mentioned, I don't use brokers. I pay my dispatcher 8% and I'm good. I was like, what? (laughs) You pay your dispatcher 8% to find new loads. We don't have to get into the argument of dispatchers, but I can guarantee you one thing. That dispatcher is getting 100% of his loads off a load board, which is primarily run by brokers or is primarily full of brokers, I should say. To me, that's an issue. Anybody get a dispatcher getting 8% of the profit, 8% of what the trucker is getting, that's highway robbery. That's why I don't believe in minimum rates because you're gonna get all these mega brokers, the three letter ones, the four letter app brokerage, all those ones to take all this cheap freight from shippers, then say, my minimum is 10%. Well, that's gonna suck. And I think we all know why. Remember Uber Freight? Well, I think a lot of us still probably use them. Uber Freight's not going bankrupt, by the way. They're just figuring out their divisions. Anyways, Uber Freight, from the very beginning, they were very vocal that they're not making money. They're losing money. They did that for one reason. And that was to simply capture the market. And they definitely did because what happened after that when uber started making a splash everybody every trucking company the facebook in the group was scared i made a whole video about it because as a broker i was brokering at the time i was saying you know i don't know what the future will hold if you have players like uber taking all the freight out of the market and no profit okay those are the people i worry about because if they take you know brokers accept cheap freight too i know it's hard to believe but that broker accepts cheap freight, and there's a minimum rate mandated by the government on a load, the trucker's being robbed of even more profits than before this whole transparency crap started. Those are the perspectives you you guys have to start thinking about because out of this, I should have highlighted them. Out of it, there's a whole bunch of people saying there should be a brokerage fee of 10%. And I, and I can support that in a lot of ways because when I was a broker, in good years, I will say this. You're trained at mega brokerages staying at right about 15% of profit margin. Okay, sometimes 16%, sometimes 10%, what have you. A lot, Or it could be a lot less. Could be sometimes more, but it's not generally more than that. Anyways, if a driver is saying, well, a broker should get 10%, again, it goes back to, well, if that broker accepts a cheap freight and trying to sell it to you, he's going to rob you of your profits because you told him, he should make 10% when before before the transparency, maybe making 5%. And oftentimes that's how it works. And now I'm a broker. I am not a broker. I am not a broker. I'm the guy caught up, so I can't show you proof. But if I was or if I had history, I would show you my TMS system where I never really made over 15, 16%. Yes, I have made 30 or 40% margin loads. But that was not from the line haul. It could have been a host of different things, starting at maybe a local run needing warehousing. Still made 30, 40% margin, but it wasn't on the line haul. Okay. Those are things you guys have to consider. I know a lot of y'all, you guys work in the spot market. Okay. So you guys only know about the spot market. And that's not a bad thing. The bad thing is when you start demanding changes in an industry or a market that is not made for, okay? Going back to the transparency, I don't think the spot market is made for transparency. It will cause way too much harm than good. Of course, that's my opinion. But I think a lot of people agree with that when the deregulation happens. Because at that time or before that time, a lot of people knew what everybody was getting paid, okay? It was hard to get new lanes. It was hard to get new shippers. Because once they built a relationship, they stuck with it. What if that happened now? How many of y'all actually have direct shippers or work primarily off of direct shippers? Not very many of y'all. And so that's why you guys have to say, if you guys don't have direct shippers, start rewording what you want. Because I don't think it's necessarily transparency. I just think it's a fair wage. And now you have to define what's fair. Because a mega carrier's fair is a lot different from an owner operator. It's two different playing fields in one industry. And that's why this industry is going haywire. However, I am confident it will stable out stable out again because it happened back in 08, happened again in 17, 18. Right now it's going down to history books that has never happened. Probably won't happen again, but that's just where we're at. Steven says, I had I had a broker from J.B. Hunt tell me that they were booking all the loads on the board, regardless of the rate, just to cover their own trucks and keep them moving. And that is true, this causes major damage to the low boards. And they broker off anything they don't use, if that is true. From my experience, we're going to have shippers, mega brokerages, as well as carriers. A lot of what you're saying is true. Okay, that's how it works on these megas. It's all about volume, volume, volume. It's um the the book and balance kind of terminology at the uh, at mega at mega brokerages is where you book a load, you find a cheaper carrier, you just knock them off get on another one. The reason because or the reason being for that is oftentimes or at least when I started, eighteen year old little Craig working at mega brokerages, a lot of the spread was only about fifty to seventy five bucks. Okay. The minimum spread you can have is 50. So if I was making fifty-five bucks on a load, I was really making five. And so that's why they would train you, you find a carrier that'll give you twenty-five bucks less to haul it, take it. It's all about the volume. And that's kind of what it is, I guess, with JB Hunt, taking all the loads. And now look, same thing with JB Hunt, I am sure, like other mega companies, a lot of those megas, if they have dual authority, whoops, if they have dual authority of some sort. Oftentimes, right in that contract, it tells the shipper, "Look, you know, X amount, usually a percentage, 50% will go on our trucks, 50% 50% will be brokered out." Okay, I even structure deals for the carriers I have consulted who open in-house beverages. When I was there, I have cons- I have what the hell, I have structured deals with shippers at those carriers where you know they were a primarily carrier, you know, carrier 80 plus trucks. They had a brokerage and now we were going to all those, you know, their customers to try to get, you know, customers on the broker side. Anyways, I have structured tons of deals where it said 75% of your freight will primarily um, go on our trucks, to rest on, you know, brokerage trucks. Or it will be worded as we will first look at our assets and we have no capacity. We will source out of our preferred network. Basically mean we we're going to double broker that. A lot of those megas, they have that advantage. A lot of us uh, uh, little guys, we definitely don't have that advantage. Chris Brown says, when it happened, just like you said, the broker told you, it's not worth it to him. They would ask for more. Bingo. That's what I'm saying. To me, 300 bucks is worth it. But going back to that story with that broker, he was saying, expedite freight, it is all day. I will never go back and expedite freight. I applaud all y'all who do it. But it was just nonstop. Even though you're on MicroPoint, even though you have GPS on the cargo, they blow up your phone all damn night. That's why that guy said, it's not worth 300 bucks blowing up your phone. Great. <laughs> that's just kind of how it was there. Uh, Mayon says, I apologize if I not say your name, buddy." They would try to get the biggest amount possible from the shipper instead of trying to short carriers. My friend, that's the reason or part of the reason why deregulation happened. Because at that time, carriers were passing uh, if they needed an increase in rate to remain profitable, what have you, you know, don't quote me on it, but it was up to a certain percentage. They could raise the rate on the shipper without challenge. That's why the shippers basically demanded the deregulation to open the doors to where they can find, you know, different solution for their lanes and stuff. That's what happened. So it already happened. I think this economy already tried passing on. The cost of the shipper, and they said, no way, Jose. They started fighting for it. They got the deregulation. And guess what? Here we are, tw- 30 years later, saying that we need regulations. I I think it was Carter. It's either Carter or Nixon. Carter Nixon, one of those who fought for the deregulation. Uh I know they were big believers in um, you know, companies competing, you know, with each other. I'm sure they're rolling in their damn graves. Anyways. Uh, he also says, uh, "Myon uh, adds brokers want to take cheap loans because nobody will move them. Plus, they want to be making a lot as they want." As it turns out, my friend, kind of going back to that Uber example. Uber, it's you guys can look. Uh, you can you guys can you know Google the earnings report for Uber. Look up their investor reports. Their model was to take it all. Doesn't matter what they're making. Their profit is at the very end, not the day by day, load by load basis. I mean, you guys seen it. Uh, loads that you guys normally took for let's make it up numbers here. Dollar fifty mile, and you know that shipper paying about that. Uber's trying to sell for like a dollar seventy five a mile and paying attention after two hours at seventy five bucks, give or take, just to get a large carrier network as well as to get a whole bunch of shippers signed up under them. Uber definitely didn't invent the Uberization of trucking. They just made it popular. That's my opinion and so i can understand what you're meaning there my friend but as it turns out brokers do accept cheap right especially the megas because of them it's not cheap they're all about volume in their minds they say you know what i bet i can work these phones for the next five hours and i want to find a carrier to take it we may only make a dollar but we're going to find them or they will say take this load lose 200 bucks on it because we're going to land this customer And I know he's sending out a large RFQ and I have a feeling we're going to get it because I'm going to Venmo him some money later on tonight. That's how it works too. Anyways, uh, you know, when I read your name, I actually call you Jennifer. I know you and I, we have uh, communicated back and forth uh, multiple times, but Delos Sotanos. Man, I'm so sorry. I'm not even going to attempt it. Uh, Most shippers use multiple brokers and will give it to the cheapest one that will then go to the carrier at the cheapest rate. I made 30 bucks on a $1900 load because a shipper didn't want to pay more than that to move that. i made $0 on one during this pandemic. The problem is not all brokers. Look out for the problem is not all brokers, look out for the carriers. Without carriers, we don't make money. It's like looking out for your employees. I have four kids and bills, and so do carriers. That's exactly right. And now kind of going back to you know, <clears throat> talk about the transparency, and you know, some drivers they're trying, okay, they're t- really trying to make a difference by saying, Look, we don't care what brokers make, just cap it at 10%, whatever. Well, in a lot of ways, 10% is very generous. As you were saying right there in yours, you have made zero dollars before because that's how the damn cookie crumbles sometimes. If you have a shipper, you know that if you lose 50 bucks, 100 bucks on this load, you could probably make it up somewhere down the line but you can't give it back. I know a lot of people say, oh, just give the a little back. That's, uh, I don't know what the biggest sin in trucking is, but one of the biggest sins in uh, brokering is giving a little back. People just, um, especially customers, they're not, um, you could be their best friend and a lot of them are not understanding because they have 50 interns blowing up their phone a day, begging for their freight. So a lot of them are relentless and that used to drive me nuts. With shippers, um, kind of how we let let's say work. But anyways, uh, long live Jennifer. There we go. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, 28%. 20% on what again? Sorry, buddy. I got lost there. Uh, yeah, Joe says bingo. Uh, Steven says volume, 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 volume. I believe uh, my good friend Steven only, your favorite freight broker or your or freight broker live, he yeah, had different brands for one guy. Um, but all good stuff there. That's what he mentions. I know he has a brokerage or used to something along those lines. And that's what he would constantly preach. He does those $50 loads because when the market's good, if you get 10 loads at $50 a pop, that's pretty good. When I do loads about 50 bucks, you know, I've done that a lot, especially at smaller outfits, smaller brokerages when I was an agent for, I didn't mind making 50 bucks on a load or even 25. But I would tell that driver, I'll make sure they really understand. i will be like, buddy, look, <laughs> I need to sleep tonight. If anything happens, you know, blow up my phone, of course. But please, you know, don't call me for anything dumb. You know, please, please, please do your best to make it there. Uh, don't screw me on this one because I'm not making no money and I cannot pay no fines to my shipper. However, if it's more than that, yeah, it's free game. But like I said, all the time is those 50 bucks. And like I brought an example above, like that broker told me when I had sprinters, he was like, sorry, Craig, it's just business. What are you doing this weekend? And I'm like, Trying to figure out my money situation, really. Um, so I see that you connected with me. We're all good there, buddy. We're all good. I see that you're trying to connect with me on Messenger. You and I were good. You said a comment that was a little sideways, but I think you know we worked past that. Um yeah, and okay, so Steven said that the other Steven does volume, large volume of partials only. And that's what he does, volume. Let me tell you, a lot of times people overlook those volumes, but when you're doing if a shipper calls you on a load and you quote them the highest rate you know, and not even work with them a little bit, you're getting one look. If you work with them a little bit, they're gonna be like, oh man, that Craig, is rates a little bit high, but he came down hundred bucks. Call him, see if he has another truck. You guys think I'm kidding, but that's how it works. I've been on all sides of the industry. The best side of the industry I've been on was the carrier side, because that's where I made the most money because I had the most experience from working on, you know, the most sides there. Of course, I didn't drive a damn truck, but working on the load planning side, You know, the consulting side, training a team of people to do the dispatching, all that jazz. I like that because I knew all sides. And now, speaking of that, I'm going to pop a link into the comments. This is, uh, I said earlier, I read a lot of crap. It's because, um, you know, knowledge is power. I I didn't go to college, you know, so I have no college degree. In fact, I have a GED, okay? It's because I went to the Army when I was 17, blah, 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 blah. So now my older years, I'm nearly 30 just about 30. I read a lot. And here's a link about, uh, I'm posting it right now. I think after this, you guys should read it. It's called a guide to advancing your career was essential business skills. Okay. A lot of it to some of you guys is going to be one ear out the other. Some of you guys will actually take it for what it is and realize or understand that maybe you could learn a thing or two. Some of you guys are going to dissect that whole pamphlet, and start initiating a plan next week to have a better business. Whatever you guys do. I see it's not. Is it making a hyperlink? I don't think it is. Hmm. Man, it's kind of basic. Anyways, that's a good article nonetheless. And the whole, you know, reason for that is because it kind of gives you um, when you learn skills for your own business, you can make better informed decisions. Okay. And that's for everything, okay? Right now, a lot of you guys are too worried about your per day profits, not the end of the week profits. Maybe if you start changing your way of thinking a little bit or expanding your horizon, if you will, you could be increasing your profits just by simply changing your perspective. Now, I sound like a guru. I can assure you I don't sit on a yoga mat and drink tea doing yoga, okay? I'm not that insightful. I just tell you kind of like what I what I understand and what I know and pl- and of course I can only talk about what I know and that comes you know from my experience and now yeah that's oh you know what there's a couple let me just take a look here I didn't go through all these comments um because you know I don't want to bore here yeah so Jim Rowe I'm gonna assume that he's a uh, trucker because look boom truck uh, truck right in his cover photo pretty good placement right there for that truck right there it's nicely right there. But anyways, he, but this may sound, uh, mean, what well, this may sound mean, but none, man. Sometimes when you reread comments on Facebook, if they're not in the proper order, I suppose, it kind of makes you have to reread them a few times. Uh, actually understand what's being said here, but I think he's meaning this may sound mean to some, uh, is not my business if they make $2 or $2,000, as long as I'm happy or content with my rate, brokers business is theirs. Not bad. I applaud you for that, for that, uh, for that statement you made there, because that's a very neutral statement and how I often think in the industry. Not everybody thinks like that. They of course don't need to. Um, but that's just kind of how I think, Oh, here's that screenshot. (laughs) Here's that screenshot I was telling you about that when I woke up on Sunday, I'm like, what in the hell, why am I being blown up? And my messenger goes off a lot. I don't check my messages every message I wait like the end of the night but if I notice have a bunch of messages or a bunch of comments on the group or alerts I'm like oh boy what fire needs to be put on the group but this is the one I got I can't stop reading his fire (laughs) and that was because um, uh, about here oh before I stop with this this is by uh, uh, my friend in the industry Shaggy Shaggy coach here he put okay Shaggy He's been on all sides of the industry as well. Him and his wife own Shaggy's Consulting and Training. They are a uh, logistics training. I think they do on the road trainings, webinars, all that jazz. I believe they own a trucking company or used to own a trucking company one or the other. Anyway, excuse me, Mr. Shaggy puts, I can't wait. One driver, I can't wait till one driver calls on load. You guys have to read that because like, broker, I have $3,000 transparency from the customer. The driver says, I'll take that on 1,000 miles. The broker, well, we get 10%, it's a law. The driver says, okay, I would take it for 2,700, giving the broker 300. The broker says, hold on, the phone's ringing. Driver two says, I'm calling in on your load. The broker says, I got 3,000 transparency from a customer and I get 10%, so you get 27. The driver says, okay, I'll take it for 27. The broker says, sorry, Truck driver number 1's already taken for 27. Truck driver number 2 says I would take it for 2600, you can make 400. The reason why I laughed at that and I think the reason why the other five people laughed at that is because it's true, okay? It's uh it it's very true, okay? And it's it's humorous definitely doesn't mean disrespectful, but that just shows how much drivers fight for these damn loads every day, especially when they're dealing with the mega brokers on the load boards. Because you know you'd be talking to a broker, they'd be like, "All right, let's book it." And literally another driver would call, and he would say, "Look, guy, I'm taking, I'm taking it down now. Sorry about that. Get you on the next one." They'd be like, "No, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I will, uh, I will give it to you for a hundred dollars cheaper." My first thought is, "How do they actually know I'm going to be truthful?" Okay. My favorite one is they would say, "How about you? I, I will own money? Just give that, just give that load to me." And I'm like, "Man, you guys are worse than brokers." You guys are fighting for it, but I get it. It's called a feeding frenzy. I don't blame it. That's just the beauty of the spot market. But if you guys want to read that in full from Mr. Shaggy, um, it's right here. Maybe I'll post it. Maybe that'd be too bad if I try to do it in here. Let's see if it scrunches it. I just thought it was funny. Anyways, uh Victor says, Is this um uh, is this my just for look? Looks like voice recorded from camera. Are you talking about this thing right here? I want to see if he's talking about this. Uh, it's not, it's more for function and look, I suppose. I'm not sure if this is what you're talking about, Victor. Apologize. I just kind of like this. I'm going to show you. Without this, I sound like, can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? Okay. That's with my computer. That's down here. That's the microphone here. And this is how it sounds like when I have this microphone. And so I guess you'd be the judge. <laughs> is it for looks? Looks like voice is recorded from camera. It's because my video resolution says 480 standard. That means my internet probably lags. So I definitely apologize. Um, I don't stare at myself when I record, but if I stare at myself here, I talk and then I see my my mouth move. Sorry about that. I know it's probably annoying there a little bit. Uh, oh, it's the same. That's interesting. Last week, last I'm going to do it again last week on my make more money mondays my entire video was on this microphone when i uploaded it to my podcast it sounded like pure crap (laughs) sorry for my language there but i'm like what is going on chris brown (laughs) chris said you sound like kermit the frog with it off that's what i'm saying okay that's why i got this little guy right here and i got a microphone i didn't even want this camera this microphone all this you know, I started doing videos, you know, a year and a half ago, whatever. But it's when Stephen Ellie is like, man, you really have to get a microphone. I'm like, I'm not fancy. I don't want to like do a microphone. I just want to continue off my phone. He's like, people can't hear you. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll get a microphone. But I know I look like a um, a radio host or something. Victor says, go back. <laughs> do you uh do you see it now? It's more for a uh, function, I suppose, and look. But it's not bad. I think it looks cool. You know, it's all right, you can't see it. My only complaint about it is my camera is over here. Okay. My camera is right here, but my microphone's right here. I wish the camera was like right in front of the microphone because you can't obviously put this in front of it. So it's a little weird there. But anyways, um, she said without it sounds like you're in an empty room with an echo kind of that's that's what I that's what I thought, too. That's what I was telling you. My last podcast there when I put it to my podcast, I'm like, oh, boy. That's brutal. <laughs> this microphone kind of works all right. I think this thing was only like 150 bucks. You can't beat it. It came with a microphone and a mic. Or, <laughs> it's been a long day, I need to get home. But it came with a microphone and a camera for me to do all these high-speed videos here on Facebook. So that's why I use it. Appreciate the uh, the question there, Victor. Great question there. I hope people don't think I'm just trying to look like a radio host, because that's definitely not it. Um, Anyways, I'm not going to read more of that. I think we got the point there. Um, But one thing I do want to do here, let me go back. Yeah, no, yeah, whatever, we wait for it. Okay, one thing I'm gonna start doing, I'm gonna start popping up the feed in the group for videos. I think it's very important because there are more people than just the group who watch these videos or hear the podcast. And so the least I can do for being the admin of a large group is to give drivers the opportunity to say what's on their mind, not just drivers. We're talking about fleet owners, carriers, dispatchers even if you want, uh, brokers, all that jazz. And now a little disclaimer here, I'm reading the comments, I get it on the Facebook. I call everybody drivers, I apologize. When I say drivers, just I loosely mean carriers, owner operators, fleet owners, all that jazz. It can even be your wife who's a co-driver. It can be all that. I just loosely, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, people. Hope it's not the coronavirus. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to say that I'll get shut down here. But um, I call everybody drivers. driver. So I, I mean it in definitely no disrespect. I'm not disrespecting your profession. If you are a company owner or a fleet owner, not disrespecting it. I just call everybody a driver um, to kind of make it easier who I'm talking about. And, of course, our group is called Freight Brokers and Truck Drivers. However, we're a home for as well as agents, dispatchers, and fleet owners. Uh, LeVon says, are you a broker first time watching? LeVon, I apologize if I say your name wrong. I am very bad with names, people. Um, Don't take no disrespect at all. I appreciate that. But he asks, are you a broker first time watching? As it turns out, I am not. I did start, you know, my uh, my logistics experience about ten years ago, or back in 2009, whenever that was. And I did start as a broker. Actually, I started as a track and tracer at a mega brokerage. I was not an agent at that time. I was not even sourcing capacity at that time. I worked as a track and tracer for a little bit. I moved up after about a year and a half. I went over to the carrier side. It was a guy who took me under his wing, taught me about the trucking industry. He later passed. I took over his company. We sold after a little bit, I went to the shipper side, I went back to the broker side, went back to the shipper side, here I am. I'm probably forgetting one or two things in there because it's been a long time. But to answer your question, I am completely neutral in this industry and that's where I'm at. I just do these little videos. I have a little group on Facebook and that's basically all she wrote there. But my job is to use my experience to help y'all because if somebody's not helping y'all, I, I, mean, I guess somebody can, but maybe the, uh, the information want to be from someone experienced or maybe you want to be free. I know if you want training, you can go on Instagram and pay $1.99 and become a broker tomorrow. I guys, I hope you guys know I'm kidding. But well, that's all I got until next time. Make sure my microphone is on there, Victor. Until next time, remember, say no to cheap freight, remain professional, and let's figure out how to make some more money in 2020 20. 2020. I'll see you guys next Monday.